listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 62 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where... Yes, there's some bad news, but we're going to relegate that to the middle of the show, and we're going to bookend the show with positive, happy news, or at least we're going to try to. Uh, I'll give uh, Ryan a first guess as to what the positive news we're going to start the show with is. Oh, man, I, it, is it that it's almost basketball season? I don't, I don't know. Hmm, probably not a terrible guess. Uh, Thomas, what do you think it is? That was actually going to be my guess. Oh, you people forget who's hosting this show and what sport the host of this show likes quite a bit. What sport is that? Soccer. Yes. Now, do you know what we're starting the show with? Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Thomas uh, knows. Thomas knows. Uh, we, we have, have a soccer team. We I, I have think, a soccer team. Yes, we do. We have a really good soccer team. In fact, we have a soccer team, a men's soccer team, that went unbeaten in the regular season. I should say this again because it bears repeating. Maryland men's soccer went unbeaten this regular season. That that doesn't happen, I mean, college soccer, let alone happening all that often in any level of soccer. They went 15-0-2 this season. Think about that. Think about also how many times they were really close to losing games and then they ended up tying or winning them. It's really amazing. I just you can't talk enough about how great this team has been, and uh, you're going to get excited. Sunday, by the way, the quarterfinals are at Ludwig at four, so you should go to that if you haven't gone to a game this year. You might as well do that because you get to watch an unbeaten team at Maryland, and that does not happen very often. In fact, I bet it rarely ever happens. Maybe lacrosse or men's or women's lacrosse is the only other sport that could ever threatened being unbeaten not many other sorts so congratulations to men's soccer sasha sarovsky everybody there they're the nicest people in the world and they're also really really good at soccer they're one of the best programs in the country so congratulations on getting to be number one in the country and unbeaten which is something very very special so now i'm gonna have to bring the podcast down a bit because we do have to talk about the football and that is a bit disheartening and sad. Although I want to start Ryan by talking about the positives of this game, and there were some to say. Uh, the offense for this team isn't bad, and it's not why they lost. Despite some what some people wanted to say about Perry Hills, the offense is not why Maryland lost against Indiana. Definitely not. Um, I mean, you know, first off, 36 points. Not not certainly not an outrageous number of points, but. A- Pretty good, pretty good Maryland, number. Maryland, it's kind of um, outrageous. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, their offense isn't, you know, leagues ahead of their defense, but it's pretty clearly the better side of the ball. Maryland's run game is certainly the best attribute phase, whatever you want to say, for this team, and it's not close. Uh, Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison have very clearly distanced themselves as the best two running backs on the team, and 
Johnson broke another long run, a 66-yard touchdown against Michigan. So they are the two most exciting players on the team. The run blocking has been pretty well, uh, been pretty good from the offensive line to even the receivers downfield. And, yeah, the the offense, uh, I, I wrote about this the other day. If you listen to the Testudo Times podcast, you probably already read it. But, uh, you know, I really don't think Perry Hills is to blame for this loss. Uh, he did. He missed a couple open guys downfield. That's not, you know, there's no disputing that. Uh, his one miss of a wide open Teldrick Morgan, though, I will say, they ended up scoring on that drive. So it seems like it kind of, you know, you know, didn't really cost Maryland anything. But, you know, he missed uh, DJ Moore wide open down the field a couple times. He underthrew him, and they didn't come up with a completion there. And that's that's certainly on Perry Hills and no one else. But, you know, for the majority of his throws, he was, he was fairly on the money. Um, he had the one fumble late. That certainly cost Maryland, yes. So it wasn't his best game. But uh, the defense gave up 414 rushing yards. That is why Maryland lost. Yes, it is. But I do want to say about uh, Perry Hills, people, people have definitely expected a lot out of him and probably too much. I think, Thomas, we've known for a while that Perry Hills doesn't have the best arm in the world. This is still true. And, I mean, when you get buoyed by a running game as much as Maryland has, and he limits mistakes, I think he only made a couple that were egregious, the fumble being one, and he had some overthrows, which other quarterbacks might have hit, although these are still college quarterbacks. He could have done a little bit more, but Maryland in this game was really always playing catch-up, so... The fact that they were able to stay as close as they did, despite the fact that their passing game isn't great from the start, and the fact that their defense never really gave the offense much of a chance to get into a rhythm, a real sustained rhythm, I don't think we can be blaming this much on Perry Hills, can we? Not, not really. Um, I wouldn't say the team was playing catch-up that much. They, they had a halftime lead. They had a lead for a good chunk of the third quarter. Um, but they were de- they did get down early, and then um, Indiana went on a run in the third and fourth quarters. So, um, you know, definitely by then Perry needed to pass. There was a point like I think Perry um, going into the fourth quarter had 13 pass attempts, and by the end of the game he had 32. So I mean it was it was just uh, you know they had to pass to play catch up at the end. And so that, that kind of inflated his numbers. He wasn't really a big part of the offense for the most part. They were going to Ty Johnson a lot. Ty Johnson had a career high in carries at only, I think, 13, which, you know, it's, it's kind of surprising that's his career high. But um, Tells you a lot about the kind of yards he racks up on, uh, on most carries despite that. Yeah, definitely. He had 142 yards on that, on that number. And Lorenzo Harrison had 14 carries for 73. So, I mean, the, the rushing attack was definitely what got Maryland going. Well, of course. And the running attack, I think briefly, Ryan, I just want to say this. It's really good this year, but remember, Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison. Ty Johnson's a sophomore. Lorenzo Harrison's a freshman. In theory, this is only going to get better as time goes on. And Maryland could also, in theory, be one of the best running teams in the country very, very soon. Uh... Could be one of the best running teams in the country. Yeah, could be, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to think. You know, another year under their belts. He, Johnson and Harrison are only going to get better. Uh, 
you know, if they were to add Anthony McFarland to the mix, that would certainly make everything even a lot better. But they've shown that uh, even if they don't get him, he's a four-star recruit from DeMatha, just if, uh, if you don't know. And uh, even if they've shown that even if they don't get him, they seem to be in a pretty good place. Hmm, yep. And so- and to, to belabor this point a little bit more, uh, the offensive line hasn't uh, necessarily been like, you know, maybe as amazing as we thought it was going to be this year, but Maryland continues to be one of the best teams in the country at recruiting offensive linemen. And uh, you got to think that's only going to pay off next year. I mean, you have uh, Derwin Gray got a little bit of action after Michael, uh, after Michael Dunn went down and he's been, they've been rotating him in all year. Uh, he is a blue chip recruit. Uh, Damian Prince has started all year at right tackle another blue chip recruit. Uh, Terrence Davis uh, got a lot of playing time at right guard. Uh, Quarvez Boulware, left guard, has been playing a little bit. Uh, these guys are all some of the best recruits in the country in recent years. And you got to think that's got to make for a good offensive line once they just get some more experience together or develop or whatever it is they got to do. Mm-hmm. So let's now go to the flip side of that coin, the sad flip side of that coin, which is Good God, Maryland can't stop the run. And I think we kind of knew that was going to be a thing, and we predicted that that was going to be a thing. But, oh boy, was that tough to watch. And, uh, Thomas, now that we know officially, well, we knew already for a while that Maryland couldn't stop the run, but now I think it's pretty obvious that they can't, and they're one of the worst teams in the country at stopping the run. What's the major cause of it? I think really just the, you know, just the, um, well, the secondary is a little banged up. The, they're playing a pretty small group. Um, the defensive line isn't quite what it was last year after losing Jefferson and Ngakwe. Um, just the, the pieces aren't quite there. They're work, they seem to be kind of, you know, not entirely comfortable with scheme. Um, but I think it it is kind of mind-boggling how bad they are at stopping the run when they're not bad at stopping the pass. Uh, if we look at S&P Plus, they're 31st in the country in pass defense, which is good. And they are 127th in rush defense. And now, there reminder, are 128 teams. Thank you. There are 128 teams. So th- they I, are the I, I second worst. Guess, I want to guess who is worse than them at stopping the run in the in FBS. I'm trying to think. Um, hmm. Who might it be? I have it. I have it for you. I, I'm trying to figure be... out who it might be. No, no, no. Let me guess. Um, who's horrible? Like outright, just complete and utter garbage. It, it's just you. You won't even be able to guess it. It's just so obscure. UTEP? Probably not UTEP. That would be Louisiana Monroe. Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. So a Fun Belt team. Yeah, a two and five, or now now two and six Sun Belt team. Um, Who's ranked 127th overall in the FBS? They just lost 51 to 10 at Arkansas State, and this comes a week after a 59-17 loss at New Mexico. Arkansas State is ranked 97th in S&P Plus. New Mexico's 78th. Their only two wins are against Texas State, who is dead last, and Southern, who is Division Two. So, FCS. Or their F- yeah, their FCS. My bad. Um, so, so that's that's our. Uh, competition for worst run defense in the country yep uh ryan 
We've talked a lot about a team speed deficit, I guess you could say, and there definitely is a deficit with Maryland. And on the back end, it was one of the areas where Randy Edsel was really poor in recruiting. He did a lot of good things on the offensive line, skill position players, Sons quarterback. He did decently well with. He was able to get some corners and pass rush, but there was no speed on this defense, and there's not much DJ Durkin and Andy Boo can do about it, can they? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you can only you can't really make players that much faster, no matter how hard they work. Uh, I'd say some of it is due to inexperience. Uh, you have Shane Cockerell, who seems like I, I think he will become a capable linebacker, but he's someone who just hasn't played linebacker his entire career. He's played linebacker for like eight months, and uh, you know he still has a lot of areas to improve in terms of angles he takes, and you know different just how he plays and yeah I think it's it's a little bit surprising um fit we I feel like a guy like Jermaine Carter is kind of having a bit of a down year but um you know the, you gotta hope this uh you know DJ Durkin's recruiting class ideally helps solve th- some things but you can't necessarily expect recruiting to make an immediate impact outside of of course a guy like Josh Kando who He's going to start at defensive end from day one. Um, you know, you have Camp Spence, who's coming in, who's a defense, four-star defensive tackle, but uh, he's less less of a sure thing to make an immediate impact, even though he seems like a very good bet to be a very good player. Um, yeah, I think the only real fix here is recruiting and just, you know, the, for the players who are there, hoping they take uh they fit better into the scheme and just take uh steps forward in year two uh this isn't necessarily to abandon this year's team or anything like that but uh when you're last in run defense and it's going you're heading into week 10 there's not a whole lot of time to improve uh i feel like we've you know what you've seen it and there's not a whole lot you can do to get better at this point in the season yep I don't think there's much that they can do. And, yeah, that's not going to be good considering the next three teams Maryland has to play. And I also want to say, Thomas, on your point on S&P Plus, um, Maryland's high on pass defense because most teams don't actually have to throw it against them, as we've kind of seen. I think the only team well, that really did. I will, I will to, be, to be fair, I think those numbers probably do take that into account a little bit. Um, they do, but, but yeah, I mean, that's... still, I don't think – you have to throw it all that much against Maryland if you're going to run the ball as effectively as you Although have. Although I will, I will say, uh, you know, from all everything that I can tell, Alvin Hill seems to have a very good – he's been having a very good senior season at corner, and J.C. Jackson and Tino Ellis both look pretty capable. So, um, you know, pass defense does – it has some particularly good players. Darnell Savage seemed to be doing a fine job. Uh, but he's a little banged up right now. And Denzel Conyers also out for the season in addition to Will Likely. So this is secondary missing, you know, three out of its five starters right now. Uh, so it's – but I'll say the secondary, I think, might actually have a little bit better hope for the future. Uh, I mean, Jackson's not going anywhere just yet. Tino Ellis seems pretty good along with Rayvon Davis. And you have uh, Deion Jones coming in next year, a uh, four-star corner, local guy. And 
he'll probably be pressed into some playing time right away. Yeah, so I think that the pass defense, as we figured out, is decent, even though the pass rush hasn't been nearly so. Uh, the rush defense is obviously terrifying. And, Thomas, I guess the last point we'll make on this game, because there really isn't much else to say, uh, I guess what, what else is there to say about this game other than all the points we got to, which was Maryland lost this game. Okay, I'm going to rephrase that. Maybe in a year or two, this is the kind of game that Maryland wins. Uh, those close games, obviously they won't be allowing as many yards on the ground as they have been in the past. But I, I just don't think that this team can overcome that right now. Uh, well, that kind of uh, performance. What? I would, I mean, I'd say, I mean, Maryland ended up losing by six, six points. And even if you, you know, granted, it was really more like 13 because, you know, they scored that last touchdown on the last play of the game. Uh-huh. But, uh, I mean, Maryland was very much in this game for almost the entire game. And, you know, they were within one touchdown. And if they got a stop, they would have had the ball with a chance to win the game. But, you know, instead of getting a stop, they gave up a 52-yard rushing touchdown. Um so, yeah, I mean, I guess re- I think really when you think about it, this really was a six-point game, actually, because, you know, they only got that chance to score because they gave up that long touchdown, you know, which which might sound weird. But basically, they were down six on defense, and then they would have had the chance to get a stop, but they couldn't, which, mm-hmm. uh, again, re- really points to the defense there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Maryland's defense isn't like – is clearly the worst unit right now. I would say uh, against Michigan, uh, none of that, none of that might matter. None of that is going to matter. Thomas, is there anything more about this game against Indiana you want to say before we, I guess, briefly touch upon uh, the looming? Well, not a disaster because you see it coming, but the bloodbath that is to come. So, quickly, anything uh, about this game that you want to say that we haven't touched on yet? We haven't talked about DJ Moore's catch. We have not um, talked about DJ Moore's catch. The, the, the play of the season for Maryland, probably. Play of the last um, couple of years he, for Maryland. Stefan Diggs has some good plays, but yeah, I mean, this is this was pretty impressive. Um, it's really, I mean, Tyrell, I don't even know. And Tyrell Pigram had a run at that. Yes, Piggy. Yeah. Yeah, they had a signed run with. Um, Piggy was actually split out wide on the play. They had. Harrison and West Brown in the backfield, and Kenny Goins also out wide at the blocker. Mm-hmm. So that's three running backs and the and the speedy quarterback all on the field at the same time. It Fun was stuff. there were definitely some interesting plays in that game. I think Walt Bell kind of opened up his playbook and opened up everybody's hearts for a while, uh, didn't he? I think that was the most exotic we saw Maryland's offense. It's still not very fast, but at least we saw a lot of the creativity. Except uh, at the early part of the game, they ran too many jet sweeps. Kind of used that play too often, and I think better teams are going to figure out how to stop that, i.e. Michigan. I guess, I guess that's kind of a good thing. You got to see some good old Walt Bell fun, right? Yeah, I mean, but that's it's really just been a progression of what's been happening all season, I think. Uh, you know, you can kind of judge the storylines just when, uh, you know, when you're in Thomas or I's position just by, uh, you know, all, that's that's – Leading up to the game, even that's that was one of the biggest things other reporters were asking was like, uh, like all about all these trick plays because you know, in the week prior, you had Perry and Caleb on the field at the same time, and 
Hills through to Caleb Rowe, who then didn't have anyone to throw to. But uh, yeah, there were a lot of. Uh, it's it's always fun to see um, just like the weird formations and weird, uh, you know, flea flickers and reverses and all that. And he's really going for it. Walt Bell, which when you have a, you know, when the other team is clearly more talented, that's kind of you got to just try some weird stuff and hope it sticks. So I guess that is a preview. We're going to see a lot more of that on Saturday, aren't we? I, I would think. But uh, there there are several reasons that i'm not a football coach so we'll see uh-huh. well i'm glad you're not let's be honest here <laughs> nothing against you ryan but i'm glad you're not a football coach so uh yeah maryland's gonna go play michigan at the current rate uh the line i think is maryland plus 26 and a half after i thought rutgers could cover 30 and a half uh maryland's not covering 26 and a half so Maryland's going to get killed. We all know this. And Michigan might run for 500 yards. And Jim Harbaugh, at home, he's not as inclined to run up the score as he was against Rutgers, where he did run up the score. Uh, so, Thomas, I guess it's a very basic question. What do you want to see from Maryland on Sunday, uh, Saturday, knowing that they have pretty much no chance of winning and they're probably losing by 30-plus? I'm going to sound like a coach when I say this, but just effort. You know, I, I think you do it's easy like to coach. get caught up in. Yeah, it, it's easy to get caught up in a lot of stuff. You know, just just looking at any. If you look at any numbers, you'll know that you're not supposed to win this game. And so, if they just play like they feel like they can win the game, then maybe it'll be close for a little while. You know, last year's game was like six nothing at the half, and obviously, this Michigan team is way better. But yeah, but oh, yeah. even so, I mean, you know, I think they'll play up. Uh, I don't know if you if you know this, but DJ Durkin used to work at Michigan. So, um, oh yeah, he, yeah, he I did. think he did. Yeah, how about that? How about mm. that? They wrote his checks last year. I wonder how that might end up playing out. I don't know. You Maybe. Well, we'll I mean, Ryan, what do you want to see for Maryland on Saturday? Because I mean, a lot of people are going to be watching, not for Maryland, but for Michigan. Uh, so this is the first time a lot of people are going to see Maryland all season. So what do you want them to do on Saturday in front of a much bigger audience than they've been playing in front of uh, the first eight games of the season? Well, uh, first off, I think, well, Thomas, I'm going to have to disagree with you there on the whole effort thing, just because I kind of don't really buy into the whole teams just are going to start randomly playing harder. I think Maryland's playing as hard as it can already. I don't think they can just magically play harder than that. But, uh, I mean, obviously you would need full effort, full everything, full luck to beat Michigan. But I think uh, Bill Connolly wrote something interesting today that was uh, he tried to find some weaknesses for uh, in uh, Michigan's team. There aren't a whole lot, but there are some. Uh, the big thing was that uh, he, he presented like three keys essentially that Maryland would have to do that if they want to beat Michigan. Uh, like their pass rush would have to really get to Michigan quarterback Wilton Spate, uh, which Maryland's defense on passing downs, which uh, Bill Connolly says are, I don't even remember what they are, but you know, it's when the defense is in an obvious passing situation uh, Maryland actually gets the quarterback very well at 14th in uh, in the country at that. And um, then the second point is 
Uh, Maryland has to stuff Michigan in short yardage situations, which that's uh, happening. Maryland's defense is 20th in power success rate, which is better than Maryland than Michigan's offense. Um, which I mean, you know, could just be a quirk in Connolly's stats, for example. But um, all indications are that Maryland's defense has been better in short yard situations than they have in the general situations where they are very, very bad. Um, but then the third point that we'll get to now is that Maryland uh, would be Maryland's quick passing attack would have to stifle the Michigan pass rush. I'm using a little bit of air quotes here. Um, by quick Maryland, by quick passing attack, I'm assuming he means more just short passing attack. Um, but Maryland's offense is best when it start, sort of starts getting in that up-tempo zone uh, that the team gets in every once in a while. A lot of the time it's right before halftime. Um, but, you know, yeah. overall we haven't necessarily seen the, you know, max speed that Walt Bell probably wants. But uh, there are, you know, occasions where, you know, Maryland really running a hurry-up offense. And um, that, they'd probably have to do that, something like all game, and then get really, Maryland would just have to, I think the biggest thing is big plays. Um, you know, Maryland's not going to be able to just march down the field against this Michigan defense. That's just not going to happen. They're just too amazing. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Maryland's shown that, you know, it's, Maryland's had big plays in pretty much all of its wins and not in and in its losses, uh, except for the Indiana loss. But, you know, in the losses to Penn State and Minnesota, that's when teams have almost entirely been able to hold Maryland to no big plays. And uh, I think, you know, the only hope for Maryland is that it, uh, you know, you get you get tied Ty Johnson loose for a couple of really long gains. You get DJ Moore gets behind the defense and Perry Hills hits him. Um, and then you probably need a special teams miracle and then probably 10 other miracles or something. I don't really know. It's going to be really hard. Obviously Michigan's arguably the best team in the country. Maryland is not. So yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I would definitely say that. So I guess, Thomas, the, what I'm most looking forward to is just watching some of Maryland's offensive players get a chance to shine and then more people getting a chance to see them, i.e. the Ty Johnsons, Lorenzo Harrisons, DJ Moores, because they're underappreciated, I think, by a larger segment of college football fans. And I think that once you go up against better teams and you can perform, and if those players end up performing and doing something, then we'll see what happens and we'll see if they can get some national credit, which... It would be a nice silver lining to what will otherwise be a pretty rough day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Ty Johnson has obvious big playability. Um, if he's able to showcase that in, you know, a game of this magnitude, you know, that'll be, you know, just big for him going forward, you know, big for the team. Um, you know, to clarify a way earlier point about effort, I wasn't saying that Maryland is not playing with 100% effort. I'm saying that if they, like, get caught up in, oh, we can't be Michigan, then it might slip. And I don't want it to slip. Um, but yeah, no. The um, if, if they they'll definitely you know those guys will bring what they got. And mm -hmm. I mean, we really don't know what they got because if they haven't played a ranked team this year. 
and the first ranked team they play is number, number two, two on the road. Yep. And we're assuming they're going to be either two or three in the college football playoff rankings because we're recording that before those are released. Not like it matters. Uh, quick guess as to the margin of defeat. Ryan, uh, what do you think? Oh, man. Um... I think it's bigger than Illinois, but less than around Penn State. So I would say that's bigger than 33 and around the 39-40 mark. Oh, man. Um, I'd say, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to narrow it down too far. I mean, my guess is 30 to 35, which isn't, it just could even be conservative. I don't know, but that's that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Thomas? I'm going 29 with a backdoor late touchdown. Wow. <laughs> Bad beat? Maybe. Um, I mean, the spread is, I think, 26, 28 right now. 26 and um, a hook. I hope it gets to 30 and then they backdoor cover. Oh, I, I expected Rutgers to do that, and uh, I don't know. Anyway. And Harbaugh got mad. Yeah, and maybe he goes uh, lenient on his former uh, defensive coordinator as opposed to on Chris Ash, who he, well, put to the woodshed multiple times. So quickly now, let's focus our attentions on basketball because sooner or later, that's basically what we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to have a full basketball preview next week, and I know all of you are very excited about that. Uh, Maryland in the preseason AP poll is ranked 25, which considering all of the changes from last year, Ryan, can't knock it. Can't knock it. Yeah, I, was, uh, I didn't really know what to think. Um, I didn't know what to expect when these polls came out. Um, and I'd be interested to see certainly what Maryland's place would be if they weren't good last year, um, because I feel like these voters tend to, you know, you do pretty good one year, even if you're not, you know, that that sort of they they will carry that success over into the beginning of the next season. Uh, you know, a lot of the like CBS had Maryland as like the number forty-two team in the season in the in Division One. But uh, I think it's it more goes to show you that they still have a lot of respect for Mello Trimble and that uh, no one knows what this Maryland team is going to be this year. I, I don't know what it's going to be either, but it's going to be fun. Fun is what this will be, and I'm very excited about the fun. That should be a lot of the story this year for Maryland, and it's going to be a lot in many ways the same as football is to the young players. Don't, uh, don't you agree, Thomas? Yeah, I would say that. Um... The basketball team is going to be interesting because we don't know, you know, how the hierarchy shapes up behind Melo Trimble. Um, and it'll probably take us uh, several games to figure that out. And so, you know, it's a bunch of talented players, though. So, you know, it should be interesting to see. Yep. And we should also mention on the uh, this podcast that, of course, Mark Turgeon got a new four-year extension, which takes him all the way to 2024. It's hard to say, Ryan, that he didn't deserve it the way he's turned this program around almost completely from where we were on the verge of all firing him en masse the start of the season two years ago to now. Everybody kind of likes him a lot more. Yeah, um, I think he definitely deserved it. There's also a little bit in any college sport – you got to keep extending your coach unless you're going to fire him. Maryland certainly wasn't going to fire Mark Turgeon. Um, you you saw that, you know, Randy Edsel even, he got the extension right before he got fired. But uh, the difference here is that Turgeon doesn't even have a buyout in his contract while Randy Edsel did, which shows uh, 
Maryland's got some pretty pretty good faith in him, uh, which I think which I think they should. Uh, he he's been at at the very least he's been an amazing recruiter, and um, I think he's been uh, I don't know I think he's he's definitely earned it, and um, you know there's there are the obvious and you know acceptable criticisms of. Last season, Maryland had one of the most talented teams in the nation and simply wasn't one of the best teams in the country at all. Um, but that's, I don't know, it's, it's one season. It's, I'm sure that probably things Terry would have wanted to do differently last year. But uh, the year before, he brought a team that was, you know, not, great. not very good and then turn, helped turn it into a pretty darn good team obviously he had a good deal of help from Melo Trimble and Des Wells but uh you got, still got to give Turgeon the credit when the team does well as you do the blame when he does when the team does poorly and he certainly will get quite a lot of blame if it goes wrong this year all things considered even though this year is way more like two years ago than it was last mm-hmm. season which is quite a bit of a thing. So next week, basketball preview, unless something crazy happens in the Michigan game, in which case we will change our plans. But since that is very unlikely, uh, it is probably going to be mostly basketball preview stuff next week. And that means the return of everybody's favorite basketball analyst, Matt Allentuck. He'll be back on the show next week. And that is very exciting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Thomas, but it's going to be – it's Matt's turn. It's been a while, and <laughs> this, is, this, this is his time. This is his – this is where he makes his money, the money that doesn't actually come to us when we do this show. So hopefully you all enjoyed this show. And yeah, we did. We started with some positives and we ended with some positives. That's what we're trying to do here. Sandwich the negative news in the middle. So the next time you listen to the show, there will be a basketball preview. And the next time you listen to this oh, America will hopefully have a new president. Please vote if you haven't voted already. And if you don't like any of the candidates, you can always write in Testudo. Because nothing says you disapprove of the state of this country's politics than writing in an anthropomorphic turtle that doesn't talk. Anyway, thank you for joining us tonight, Thomas. No problem. And Ryan, get ready. Basketball season. Oh, yeah, this will be fun. It will definitely be fun. It's, hopefully this show was fun for you all to listen to. Thankfully, it was a bit shorter than past issues of this show. But, of course, go Terps. Go Terps.